0: So it's my turn to pick the song. It is. All right. One of my all-time favorite songs, period. Really? It's a great song. You want to start it anytime soon?
1: (laughs) this Mr. Catea? Mr. (laughs) Catea! A young, precocious John Travolta. Uh, Poor Shaq. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 oh gosh so this is before um, Saturday Night
0: Fever and before yeah, before is, Travolta's fame before, before any of that uh, yep yep cause we got him on the spot welcome back Freddie Boom Boom Washington <laughs> <laughs> why do you call him Boom boom <laughs> A boom, 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 That <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I
1: honestly have not seen the show many times. Just a couple of times. But I know the theme song well. It's a classic.
0: Oh, it's a great song. Well, If I had a theme song, I think I might want it to be that. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, Rob walks in. Um, dun, dun, dun. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Sanford dun, dun, dun. son. No. Uh, that would be <laughs>
1: Welcome back is fitting. So welcome back to um, Rob and Joel's podcast. Also I known as Joel and Rob's podcast. Also known as Joel and Rob's podcast. I am Joel Strom. This is the Reverend Rob Carter. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this uh, and we are excited to get back to We Make the Road by Walking. We took last week off.
0: We're going to double up soon, though, to get us and back so online.
1: We're going to try and get a couple uh, of these in um This week. And so we are on chapter 11 in We Make the Road by Walking, uh, which is titled From Ugliness, a Beauty Emerges. And this takes a look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 to 11, um, and the Israelites' conquest of the promised land, Canaan. And so I'll begin by saying I am when I saw this chapter and read the scripture, I went, "Ooh, this will be good and this will be challenging. Um, But I am I'm happy that that Brian chose to address one of the more challenging sections of scripture.
0: Yes. Um he does. This along with Isaac, it's in my opinion, the yes the two most challenging. He
1: doesn't shy away from this and yeah. he takes a look at um uh violence in the Bible, um, which there is plenty.
0: An absurd amount, frankly.
1: Yes. Yep. Um so uh Deuteronomy is uh the fifth book of um the Hebrew scriptures, the old testament. Um and in a way, kind of looks looks back on um, the story of the Israelites um, uh, and is a way to kind of help a new generation um, of Israelites uh, take the next step as a nation. Um, and so Deuteronomy looks back at a lot of the same stories that are found in Exodus, such as Ten Commandments mm-hmm. um, and this one. Um, and so... In this story, um, let's get right to it. Um, uh, God commands the Israelites to go into the land of Canaan, mm-hmm. um, which is filled with um, half a dozen or so different
0: tribes. Right. It goes back to when God called Ab- Abram, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And said, Come to this land of yes. Canaan. Yep. And Abraham did. Throughout the generations, it led to Joseph. Mm hmm. Finding his way into Egypt, rising to power. Joseph's brothers uh, came to Egypt amid a famine. Mm-hmm. That's how Abraham's descendants, or Israel, found their way into Egypt. Then when Exodus picks up, they're enslaved there. Mm-hmm. Moses comes and frees them. But during all that time, right, it's not like the land of Canaan just, you know, sat empty. Exactly. Exactly. Right? it's filled with people, it's filled with people, yep and tribes and families yeah. and communities, yep. yep, so as they come back and they're making their way to the quote promised land and uh this land of Canaan it's the land to which God had the land God had promised Abraham yep that his descendants would have, they come back and here in Deuteronomy chapter seven uh Moses is preparing them, um, basically, for a mission of occupation. Mm -hmm. Conquest. Mm -hmm. Conquest is better. They're not just going to occupy the land. They're going to conquer the people and occupy the land.
1: And that's the word that McLaren uses, conquest, to describe this. Yep. And the commandment is to go in and um, wipe out everyone and every... I think, living thing.
0: To quote Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 2, show them no mercy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. We're talking about mothers and fathers and children. And so the the Deuteronomy
1: text talks about the, um, the, the threat of um, intermarrying with um, those... Uh, uh, tribes and how that will turn the Israelites away from the right. God of Israel. That's that's one of yep. the issues the, at stake. There are here.
0: seven nations within the Canaanite
1: mm-hmm.
0: land, right? Yep. Um, the Hittites, the Girgashites, Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a lot of ites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Seven nations, mightier and more numerous than you. Dot, dot, dot. Show them no mercy. Mm-hmm. So let's start with um, the scripture. What are your initial thoughts? I love that Brian's tackling this because I think this, this portion of scripture is largely why folks react to uh, the Bible in one of two ways. They either segregate the God of the New Testament from the God of the Old Testament. So Correct. I don't believe in that violent God. Mm-hmm. I only believe in the loving God. Mm-hmm. And they, they do not view the Old Testament as authoritatively Christian scripture. Yep. Uh, or there's those who look at this and see still uh, revelation of a violent God. Mm-hmm. Um, a violent God, either um, as you know Brian talks about, for us, therefore, must be against them. Correct. But there is also very much the notion of a punitive, violent God against you, against me. Mm-hmm. You know uh, the the notion that God is a very um, angry, vengeful God who in, will harm you yeah. if you don't do. What God wants, therefore, the disaster that befell you, the trauma that happened to your family, the, the whatever that is, there's a belief that that was divinely inflicted. Sure. Out of a notion of this mm-hmm. violent God. Yep, yep. And so
1: under underneath it, you can develop this 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 fear of God, because mm-hmm. um, uh, God is vengeful and extremely wrathful, even bloody. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I read this text when I was younger, so talking in my maybe 20s, when I was trying to not separate Old and New Testament, but reconcile them both. And um, a way to kind of skirt around the violence is to talk about... um, uh, the need for um, there to be a certain purity within marriage relationships, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's... You can kind of... Let's put the violence aside, but see the the point of it, uh, of we don't want to intermarry with someone from... <coughs>
0: uh, different race, a different, different ethnic- ethnicity. A
1: different religion, whatever. And, yeah. um, but then I hit a point where... And, uh, okay I can see that point but I still I can't just push the violence aside and um, not recognize the horror of it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me I, I've eventually hit a place where I felt I felt okay to kind of question it okay to to name that as mm-hmm. Mm-hmm what the heck is going on with this? I mean, how, mm-hmm. how can I reconcile that um, mm-hmm. with the God I believe in? And I'm not sure, I wasn't sure that I could. Mm. But just being able to kind of open up. Allowing yourself to struggle with it. Allowing myself to struggle with it and not have an immediate answer. Yeah. You know? Um,
0: so. And that's important. Yeah. Willingly coming to something without demanding Um, an answer or any kind of real closure
1: well and that's and that's the other piece that we we talk a lot about the need for questions in our faith formation the the need to be curious um, and to be okay with the questions and desire them Mm -hmm. and the other side of it is to be okay with the question and then not having the answer right you know and and to keep to to be okay resting in the question and going hmm I don't know mm-hmm. but I'm going to keep digging and pursuing this yeah um and and that might be something that 6 months 2 weeks 6 months to a year or it could be years down the line where you kind of go hmm I I think I can I have some sense of what was going on and able to answer my question in some sense. And what Brian gets to in this chapter is a lot of how I've come to mm-hmm. see these stories. There's a lot I like about his chapter. Yep. So, um, let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, what did you like? Um, is there a section that you like in this chapter you'd like to
0: share? I liked a lot of it. I, having been a fan of McLaren for mm-hmm. quite a while... Um, this is not the first place I can't I think it might be in a new kind of Christianity, but this is not the first place he talks about this this movement from yep. from violence to peace, from yep. uh, wrath to grace, from judgment to mercy
1: and we should clarify he he usually has one section of scripture that he's building his chapter off. yes this one there's there is specifically
0: two you're right. It's, so we talked about Deuteronomy seven mm-hmm. uh, to to really grasp this chapter. Uh, if you haven't, please do yourself a favor: read Deuteronomy seven, read Matthew fifteen. Yep, yeah, you have to read Matthew fifteen,
1: and you have to read them alongside yeah. each other. That's, maybe even
0: read Matthew fourteen as well, because fourteen includes the first feeding of the
1: mm-hmm. five thousand. Ah, okay, yeah. Got it. So um, in Matthew 15, he's got two stories. Um, we can briefly go over that. Um, the first one um, is a Canaanite woman
0: comes to him, and you know I had never just just to maybe take a tiny little tangent here. Uh-huh. I had never it never happens with us on these. So. <laughs> I had, all right. Fifteen minutes later. Oh dear. <laughs> I had never put together. Uh, Canaanite, with specifically the story that comes next with the feeding of the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And where else do we see a Canaanite being featured in the gospel? Yep. Uh, that's a big deal. The McLaren just goes plop. And in my study Bible, uh, I, I referenced it, and sure enough, uh, the study Bible is saying Canaanite likely... Um, speaking to uh, let me let me see if I can find it here exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, in this story, uh, a Canaanite woman comes to Jesus. Um, so she's she's obviously she's not of um, yeah. the people of Israel, and she asks for um, her daughter to be healed.
0: Right, and I had always assumed that Canaanite was simply Gentile code for Gentile mm-hmm. non. Jew, non-Hebrew, non-Israeli. And then he says, this isn't just a Gentile, this is a Canaanite. And the study Bible I have says, Canaanite, a scriptural term for ancient Israel's pagan enemies. Mm. In other words, taking us right back into the land of Canaan, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Yeah, yeah. That is such a powerful connection (laughs) for for this. Yeah. Yeah, I have read... This story,
1: because it's also found in other Gospels, yep. many times, never once made that connection. Just yep. saw saw Matthew uh, describing her ethnicity. Yeah. That's it. Um,
0: we have a non-Jew woman but, here. But never linking I, it to Canaan and... The land of Canaan, mm-hmm. the pagan enemies, yep. the seven nations, the seven Canaanite nations. Yep. The yep. Hittites, the Jebusites, the... Yep. Yep. um yeah
1: so she comes to him um, and this is one of those stories that it um, is uncomfortable because Jesus says no to her healing request um, and she pushes back um, mm-hmm. he makes arguably a very kind of rude statement and says mm-hmm. um, his exact words calls her a dog are um uh, it's not um, he says I've, I've come only for the lost sheep of Israel' And she pleads with him, Lord, help me. And he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and
0: toss it to the dogs. Yeah, he's calling her a dog. Mm-hmm. I have heard and read sermons that try and take the venom out of that mm-hmm. uh, statement. Mm-hmm. And um, I have tr- I have offered sermons that have, in some way, shape, or form, try and read this as anything other than Jesus growing in his own sense of who he is and what he's called to do. Yes, and his and, in
1: his ministry expanding outside. Exactly. Yes. And
0: I now, yeah. um, uh, you know, those, those sermons were I don't know about twenty years ago, but uh, now the only way I personally read that is is Jesus growing. This yeah. is this is this is an intimate view that Matthew is giving us into. Um, jesus growing in his understanding of who he is and what he's called to do
1: yes yep yep and that matthew would include this story yeah in the gospel i think is fascinating that he 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 shows him growing in mm-hmm. in who he is and who he was called who god is calling him to mm-hmm. give himself to um and so jesus resp- replies um your it's not right healed. to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus is um, so impressed with her with her faith and
0: says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and his, yep. her daughter is healed. A Canaanite called him master, yep. called him Lord. Yep. Um, something that back in when Deuteronomy was written would have been impossible. You know, the Canaanites didn't worship uh, I am who I am, Yahweh, Adonai, Absolutely. the God of Israel. They worshiped their own pagan gods. Yep. Yep. Um, and here Jesus encounters a Canaanite calling him master yep. and begging for what only God can do. And so that story leads right into a second.
1: Uh, feeding story, but this yep. time feeding the four thousand yeah um, and um, the story is again this was and we 'll get the Brians taken a second on this, but um, after bread and fish are shared, it says um, seven basketfuls of food
0: are left, but it 's not just the baskets, there are seven loaves. Like I I, mm. I I reread this after reading Brian's chapter. Yeah, and this is like one of those oh,
1: seven and a few small fish. Yeah. Oh,
0: gotcha. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. And they I see keep repeating. They keep repeating the number seven. Yes. And yes. one thing that is drilled into our heads at seminary, yeah. right, yeah. is when you see something being repeated by an author, when you see a word that keeps popping up or a number that keeps popping up, it is. Popping up for a very intentional reason.
1: And to know when when you see, note why when stories are placed next to each other. Yeah. Like that, that should be blinking yep. red lights when a story leads into another story there. The author is often connecting them together in yep. some way.
0: So in chapter 14, we have Jesus feeding 5,000 Israelites. Then in chapter 15, he heals a Canaanite woman's daughter. Yeah. Then just after that, it says that he is in Galilee and talking to 4,000. But at the end of that, it says they praise the God of Israel, which means these weren't Hebrews because the God of Israel was already Israel's God. These were non-Hebrews to be praising Israel's God. Otherwise, it would just be Adonai. It would be the Lord God. Yep. And then he goes on, and how many times have I read this story? How yeah. many times have I even thought, you know, Matthew is just so darn redundant. He has this feeding story in here twice yep. with just different details, and I yep. haven't paid attention. And for the first time yep. I am noticing this seven. And it keeps it keeps repeating. Yep. Seven. Seven loaves. Seven loaves. Yep. Seven loaves. Seven baskets. Yep. Seven baskets. Yep.
1: It, so we've been doing reading this book for two months now. And we sit down on these podcasts and every
0: time we have
1: these aha moments yeah. where we go, Oh my gosh, I've never looked at scripture that way before. Um fascinated with Brian's take or just struggling with Brian's take. Um yeah. but a- as we are uh all we are always learning and growing and the two of us right here. Yep. Are, Every week, something new is coming up that has us kind of going,
0: whoa. And if I, if we hadn't read Brian, we still would never have connected this second feeding of 4,000 and the seven loaves and the seven baskets back yep. to the seven Canaanite nations. Yep. Yep. But now, after reading Brian and then going back into Matthew, it's mind blown and thinking, yes, absolutely, that's what this is.
1: So let me read um, what you just said and what Brian says about that. Um, He says the identification is significant since Canaanites no longer existed as an identifiable culture in Jesus's day. Calling this woman a Canaanite would be like calling someone a Viking or Aztec today. Right. Right. She asked for the one thing that has been denied her ancestors, mercy, mercy for her daughter who is in great need. And then he switches over to that, um, feeding a 4,000 story. Um, and let me read one section that, uh, I loved. Um, uh, Up till this point, Jesus understood his mission only in relation to his own people. After all, they're pretty lost and they need a lot of help, so he hesitates. How can he extend himself to this Canaanite? But how can he refuse her? Um, From there, Jesus goes to an area to the northwest of the Sea of Galilee. He teaches and heals a large crowd of people there who, like the woman and her daughter, are not members of their own religion. Their non-Jewish identity is clear in their response to Jesus's kindness, and they praise the God of Israel. What was an exception yesterday is now the rule. Don't kill the other; show mercy to them. Yeah. So, kind of what you were saying before, and that Brian sees
0: this progression, this progression in, um, and he's been painting it throughout the first has. ten chapters here. He yeah. has. Yep, in in how
1: the writers understood God uh, and how that
0: is leading somewhere. Yeah. Um, In their day, this is how they saw the world and God's presence in the world. Yep. And in each new day, that perspective shifted. Yep. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And one of the reasons why I think you and I are this resonates so well with us is because we are uh, Presbyterians are part of what's called the reformed tradition. We're reformed. Um, and one of the, one of the reform mottos is that we can always be reforming. Yeah. means we can always be growing closer to who God is and who God is calling us to be. It's not that God is changing, but that we need to constantly be changing our perspectives as we come to closer and closer and deeper and deeper understandings of the truth of God and the truth of God's intentions for us. Nice. Well said. Um, And he says it really well on page 49, third paragraph. He says, We begin with pre-biblical visions of many warring gods who are all violent and capricious. In much of the Bible, we advance to a vision of a single God who uses violence against them, in the service of justice for us. Mm-hmm. But eventually, through the biblical library, yep. we find a yep. beautiful new vision of God being revealed. God desires justice for all, not just for us. God is leading both us and them out of injustice and violence into a new way of reconciliation and peace. And I love this. God loves everyone, everywhere, no exceptions.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: it reminds me very much of a quote that i like to use from frederick buechner Mm -hmm. who says um the peace of jesus christ is understanding that there can't be peace for me until there is peace at last for you yeah yeah nice
1: Yep. Well, and I think we're just going to read sections of this chapter throughout this
0: podcast. So, because <laughs> it's that good. You don't need to read it, folks. We're reading it we're for just read you. We're going to read
1: it for you. But just after what, what Rob read, this I had a huge check mark by this one. Um, violence, like slavery and racism, were was normative in our past, and it is still all too common in the present. How will we tell the stories of our past in ways that make our future less violent? We must not defend those stories or give them the final word, nor can we cover them up, hiding them like a loaded gun in a drawer that can be found and used to harm. Instead, we must expose those violent stories the light of day, and then we must tell new stories beside them. Stories so beautiful and good that they will turn us toward a better vision of kindness, reconciliation, and peace for our future and for our children's future. Amen. It, it made me think of um, uh, the lectionary, and we we are um, often a lectionary church. And I love the lectionary. I love the cycle of it, how it selects scriptures for us. Um,
0: uh, the lectionary is the uh, a format of preaching, whereas where we get the scripture lessons that we base a Sunday service off of.
1: Yep, and so every year, um, each year is a particular gospel, and then John is sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. But one of the um, challenges of the lectionary is it can leave out certain sections of scripture that are
0: important.
1: And difficult to read. Challenging. Yes. And so I think what happens is we don't know what to do with those stories because we haven't really wrestled with them. Sometimes it's a community on a Sunday morning.
0: Yep. Um, And so... uh, Great point. I think that's what we have to do. How often have you ever heard a sermon on Deuteronomy 7? Well, yeah. I can't
1: think of one. It's... I, I have okay good and you know what it was no that's good it, it was a sermon series on
0: <laughs> the
1: uncomfortable passages. the sections that are left out of, oh. <laughs> of the lectionary that are difficult to read yeah and it was a it was a great. Uh, summer sermon series idea.
0: Yeah, that it's, is a great it
1: was. It was and best Sabinski, Beth Sabinsky Beth right? Sabinsky, yeah. And and she she Shout out to Beth. Yeah, absolutely. She had us tackling um but man, I loved it because it was the sections of scripture that make us uncomfortable. And we were forced to look at it and forced to try and make some meaning out of it. And sometimes there was it was hard to find a good chunk of meaning. It 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 made that preacher work. It made her work. Um, uh, but that's what we need to do. I I, I think as a community of faith has wrestled with all of these difficult scriptures, and yeah. that, and Brian takes this and um, I think has a really and I'm
0: fascinating always, take on it. it. I think it's powerful. I think it's palpably powerful the way he takes this truly offensive and troubling passage. Yep and in just four pages yep and we make the road by walking demonstrates the progression of perspective in theology and again it's not that god is changing it's that humanity's perspective of god yep is changing
1: yep yep well said And so if you haven't read this chapter yet, we really encourage you to do that Mm -hmm. um, wherever you are in this book. Um, And so until next time, uh, you can find us at Towson Press, uh, our handles on Facebook and Instagram, TowsonPress.org. We will... See you next week on
0: our podcast. If you're in the area, come to worship. Uh, We're at 400 West Chesapeake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love to greet you there. And uh, until then, I'm Rob. He's Joel. And we'll see you next time.